Locked on. Locked on. Locked, 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 on. Locked, 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 on. Locked on Cowboys. Locked on Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast presented by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com today and get $10 off your first order. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Another day. Some more uh, Cowboys news. Uh, no practice today, but we've got questions. We've got uh, a nice little thread that we're going to go through we, yeah you know we're, we're not we're not short on cowboys news and that and that's again i i know i comment on it every day but but it's it feels like the season is sneaking up on us in in a way that is very unusual and, and again a part of it is probably because i'm not driving to oxnard every other yeah. day to to observe practice so it seems just different yeah do you know what is weird though so today where i'm from is like the first day of school for everybody everybody's going back to school and this is traditionally like the the weekend that's the third preseason game, right? You yeah. Know, starting on Thursday, yeah. Friday, it just feels really weird not to to be excited about that third preseason game because that's normally when you get to see the starters for at least a few drives. And, and now we're relying on camp nuggets to just kind of get us through the next two and a half weeks. Uh, but luckily for us, Landon, we've got some incredible beat reporters that are out there at Cowboys camp. Um, yeah. And I wanted to talk about some of Todd Archer's notes. Uh, Todd Archer from ESPN. Uh, he gave us some interesting tidbits from Cowboys practice so far. Basically a little recap. Uh, we'll run through a couple of these fairly quickly. Um, but I want to start with this one because I, I know how much you love him. Uh, he <laughs> praised Dalton Schultz today in a tweet saying that he's looked really good in practice. Uh, he's not going to replace Blake Jarwin, obviously. Uh, but he has shown mo- some more ability in the passing game than he did in the first two seasons. Um, he said, with Jarwin Schultz and Blake Bell, the Cowboys tight end should be okay. Um, I think that's really encouraging to hear that that Schultz is developing as a receiver. We like what he can do as a blocker. Uh, I believe it was earlier this week we talked about him uh, being used as a fullback in the four-minute drill. What are your thoughts on how the Cowboys plan to use Schultz this year? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Schultz is going to be the kind of jack of all trades fullback. You know, the, the I mean, a, a tight end, which includes probably fullback. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know it's likely that he is going to be the guy when they when they roll out uh, twelve personnel. He'll probably be the the second tight end. Um, you know, the, I wouldn't be surprised if they had certain packages where maybe he was in and Jarwin was not in, just depending on how they are deploying that 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 tight end position, you know? Um, yeah, like probably more running downs, probably, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, likely, yeah. Uh, but then again, like, I think, you know, an uptick in his ability, and I think he's always had decent ability here as a as a receiving tight end. I, I just think, you know, people get a lot of misconceptions because he's he looks un, he looks like a receiving tight end, but he's a blocking tight end. It's because he's it, pretty it's, skinny. He's not a huge yeah, guy, right? For sure. It's and it's almost like, uh, oh man, I, I can't believe I've forgotten who's the tight end that that was that was on the team a couple of years ago. It was crazy fast from Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Jay, I was going to say he's the new James Hanna. Yeah. James Hanna. Yeah, exactly. So so Hanna was this guy who came into the league, ran and like what did he run like a four five or something like totally. Yeah, ridiculous. I think I think it was four four six. I'm pretty. Yeah. sure. I just looked this up the other day. 
Yeah, and so and then he came into the league, and you know, you, you look at a guy with a, with the, with his body and with his speed, and you're like, okay, this is a, this is a receiving tight end. He definitely made his his pay as a blocking tight end who. You know, I think two or three times they threw the ball, and the defense was so shocked by how fast yeah. he was because yep. they had forgotten that uh, that it worked out. But I think you know, you know, I think Schultz can work function in a similar situation, just kind of when they need to get into other personnel's personnel groupings, whether it's just to mix it up, whether it's because they want to run short, or because they 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 see a mismatch there that they like. Uh, I think you know he has tied in is one of those positions that. It just it takes a long time to learn. There's so much to it, and there's so many you know complicated aspects of it. Whether it's block, run blocking, receiving, running option routes, it, you have to learn all the difficult parts of offensive line while learning all the difficult parts of receiver at mm-hmm. the same time. So I I think he's finally at the point now he, where he's developed physically. I think you've seen video and pictures of him. He looks a little bit stronger, especially up top. And then I think you, you look at the experience that he's gained over these years, and, and I think you've got a guy who's who's ready to kind of take that that role. You know, not 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 a starter, not a guy that's like you know that they feel that they have to get touches or anything like that, but a guy that when they are going to run twelve personnel or when they're going to need to sub in someone for Jarwin or that they're not they're not feeling that there's a a, a huge they're putting a, a lesser player on that this is a guy who is going to go out there and be able to execute his job uh and, and not be uh the weak link on the offense when he's out there I, i'm really glad that you brought up the name james Hanna because I, that's exactly the type of player that i'm thinking not the athlete because he's just not the same athlete as james no. Hanna, but the guy that can do a lot of different things as that backup tight end and actually I think Schultz is the perfect complement to Blake Jarwin in a lot of ways, right? Jarwin is great flexed out or in the slot as a receiver, but he has a lot of deficiencies as a blocker, you know, in the run game. He's just not a very strong player that way. But you can use Schultz as the H-back, the fullback, the inline guy. I think there's a lot to be excited here. And I think if you can develop into a... I don't know, a usable receiver, I think that'll be uh, interesting. Um, I, I'm excited about Schultz in year three. I think this is when traditionally tight ends start to produce. Uh, I think he's on the right track. Um, another one of your favorite guys, Lainan, <laughs> uh, that Todd Archer was talking about was center guard Adam Redman. Um, he was talking today that Redman has actually seen a couple uh, tackle reps in practice because of some of the injuries uh, there. Um, he's been fantastic inside at Garden Center. Uh, we liked him quite a bit as like a long shot to win that center job. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but uh, it sounds like he that the Cowboys got trade offers for him for him last year. Uh, they said no. Um, what are your thoughts about Adam Redman as you know maybe the eighth, ninth offensive lineman on this team? Well, I mean, I think you're showing that if he can, you know. Play tackle. We know he can play guard and center, at least on you know some level. I think he's yeah. showing that he could be an extremely valuable game day swing offensive lineman. You know that that eighth dressed guy or seventh dressed guy that they have. Uh, that you know if you lose anybody, he could get you through a game. You know playing that position. And I I you know again I liked him enough last year that I thought that he should have at least been give you know in the consideration for what uh, what's going to happen with the center position now obviously covid kind of changed all the angles on that and not really a great time to be trying to trial and error a bunch of centers i guess at this point 
but I think that you know the the the, the talent still is there, and clearly he's uh, made made uh, enough waves that he, that you know that Todd Archer is able to recognize. Not, not no offense to Todd Archer or anybody, but it's uh, offensive yeah, line yeah. play is not easy to recognize, and I think. You know the fact that he's making enough of a splash that it's worth commenting. I think shows you that he is adept at playing all three positions at probably all five different spots. You know, and I, I think that frankly, you know, he is the kind of valuable piece that you know, really good offensive lines need. You know, not just a swing tackle, but a guy who uh, uh, is is able to come in and, and, and help this offensive line get through a game uh, in a desperate situation, you know, when somebody gets hurt. Because that's that's really the problem is when you really run into issues on your offensive line is, is a situation where, like, you've got a, a, a tackle or, or a, and a guard who are hurt, right? Or, or not injured, but are hurt. Like, they go into a game with some, with some nagging thing that they're trying to gut through, right? Then suddenly yeah, you yep. lose those guys in the game, and then maybe a, a, a new person gets hurt. And suddenly you're down two offensive linemen in a game, and you know you have to make sure that your backups can uh, fill that you know that 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 how hole. Sometimes you may have a swing guard tackle there, and you you have to have to play him there. And then suddenly your guard gets hurt. And you're like, well, I only have another guy who can play guard. Having a guy in there who can play all five positions really kind of secures the the backup situation in a way that. You know, it's not flashy. It's not something that you know that a lot of other podcasts are probably going to be talking about. But then no, again, if you're no. if you're on this podcast, you, you want to hear about that kind of thing. And guys like Adam Redman and uh, you know C.J. Goodwin and these guys who are you know, and really in some ways Dalton Schultz, these guys who are versatile players who can do a lot of different things on the field, both in their positional group and in special teams. Those are the guys that make the fifty-three day, fifty-three player day roster work. Is is these guys right. who can help fill in the gaps as needed because you can't just call up a random guy from the practice squad in the middle of the second quarter. Right. It, it, the team that wins the Super Bowl is never the ones when you go to our lad and you look at every team's starting lineup and it's the best starting lineup that wins. It's just not the case in the NFL. It's not the NBA that way. Your depth matters so much. By the time we get to December and January, it's not about your top 22 guys. It's about how good are those guys at the bottom of your roster, you know, that are going to play. I, I think of like Kansas City last year. Uh, they had some pretty big injuries, and a guy like Cam Fleming, uh, or sorry, Cam Irving, uh, played some meaningful snaps for them last year. Uh, Irving is somebody who's on the Cowboys team now. Uh, is one of their is one of the Cowboys swing tackles, and I'm curious to see what he can bring to this team this year as well. Uh, that is one of the concerns I have, though, Landon, about Redmond making this roster is tackle is a concern of mine behind Lyle and Tyron just because there's so many injuries right now. We'll see about Brandon Knight. We like him a lot. I just wonder if the Cowboys are going to go a little deeper at tackle, and with you already having Connor McGovern and Tyler Biotish as backups – can they really carry a third backup interior offensive line? Is that lineman? Is that even realistic? You know, I tend to think that this season specifically, you know, everyone should consider going long on the the, the trenches, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. Frankly, 
I just think that, you know, just the nature of the coronavirus itself and exposure, yeah. those to me seem like those are the positions where you are most likely to have transmission, right? All right, so, so let, me, let me ask you this. Would you rather keep Cam Irving or Adam Redman? I would much rather keep Adam Redman. I mean, like, 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 like if, like, you know, I guess my, my, my point is, is that in this scenario, Adam Redman has earned the spot from Cam. Yeah, Irving. sure, sure. So, 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 yes, I would much rather Adam Redman earn that spot and steal it away from Cam Irving, for sure. Just because I'm just not I think sure that's that, what they're going to do, though. What? I'm just not sure if that's what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's, that's, I mean, you know, look, the, this 2020 is the year of, of deferring to the veteran. You know, yeah. I, 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 I listen. Here's the thing, though, is that Adam Rumman is not not a veteran. You know, he's he is yeah. a vet. Yeah. So he's so, been around uh, for a while. Yep. He has been around for a while. He is younger than Cam Irving, or I, I think they, he is, or at least he has. I, I would say yeah, more untapped, a more un, untapped upside there because he hasn't, you know, had a ton of experience. I, I would probably, I would probably prefer to to let, you know, Redmond earn that. I, I'm probably not letting Redmond go either way, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I'm probably not. Like, wh- whether, whether, it's Cam, whether he takes Cam Irving's spot or not, I would find a way to keep Redmond on this team just because, look, I mean, five, five, five position offensive linemen backups is pretty, pretty rare. To be fair, though, you are the number one fan of the Adam Redmond club. So I, I understand why you want to keep him around. He's a good player. I just I mean, there's a you're reason. A fan. You're a little biased. Yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm biased because I've seen him do good stuff. And again, like, look, they're not calling out, uh, you know, uh, Cody Wickman or Marcus Henry. You know, they're not they're not talking about Wyatt Miller, even Brandon Knight, the guy that we like a lot. Yeah, it's not yeah. like we're hearing a ton about him. I've heard from several different people now that Adam Redmond's having a good camp. And, and you know, again, the drumbeat. Adam Redmond's yeah, not sure. a name that, that, that gets that gets thrown around a lot. And the fact that you're hearing more than one time about how well a third string, ostensibly a third string offensive lineman is doing, that that's an indication that he's doing well. I agree. Um, let's pause so we can tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. Real chocolate, amazing flavors with an incredible combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste absolutely fantastic, and they are releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. And right now, you get a free cooler with an order of a new box only while supplies last. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, Landon, one more note here from Todd Archer at practice. It seems pretty much locked in right now that Cedric Wilson is the team's wide receiver four. Uh, But I'm more interested now in that wide receiver five job. He believes it's going to be Noah Brown. He thinks Noah Brown looks healthy. He's contributing on special teams. Uh, Tar Archer even made a note that the team might only carry five receivers this year uh, and go longer on defense. And I think that actually might have to do a little bit more with special team stuff, keeping guys like CJ Goodwin at cornerback. Um, But is it surprising to you that Noah Brown is winning that wide receiver five job? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little bit surprising, just because you know we uh, we 
had heard so much about John Vea Johnson last year, and I think you know Devin Smith is a guy who actually got onto the field and performed different points. And and Noah Brown was a favorite of this of the previous coaching staff. And I think that if 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 we were to line all these guys up and say just wide receivers and say which one of these guys is probably going to take the biggest hit from the coaching staff change. I probably would have said Noah Brown just because I felt like it was Maybe. such a such a, a, a coaching staff thing. They, they they really liked what he did for them, and he really liked kind of all the different roles he played. And then you take away the fact that uh, you know, the, like what you just mentioned about wide the wide receivers playing special teams, and that that's not you know that's not necessarily something that that Fossil likes to do a lot. You, suddenly you've taken away two of the biggest avenues for Noah Brown to make this team, right? Like, you know, you take away his his uh, his rabbi or whatever, his the, his his advocate inside the, the, the organization. Then you take away, you know, his, maybe not take away, but you kind of close off a lot of his ability to play special teams. And you think that he probably would not be the guy to earn that wide receiver five spot just based purely on what does he have that's better than anybody else. But I, th- you know, it sounds like he's been out here performing incredibly well as a receiver as well, which you know was always inside of him because he is an incredibly talented athlete. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think I think that what we're seeing is a guy who, you know, has developed in the dark while you know working off to the side, dealing with uh, you know several injuries. It just feels like every year he's had to deal with some kind of injury that's. You know, taking him off for extended period of time. So right as he starts get get going, he gets pulled off the field for some reason. So uh, look, if he has an immense amount of physical ability, immense amount of talent. There's a reason he went to Ohio State. You know, there's a reason why uh, uh, Zeke was a big advocate for coming for for him being drafted on this team. I, I think there is untapped talent there, and if, and if he's starting to pull that together, uh, then yeah, I I think. That's an intriguing player that has as much physical upside as any of those of, of those you know under wide receiver four candidates. I, I think he has the physical talent and, and physical you know athleticism uh, that if he can pair it with you know some actual skill and and and, and you know instinct at the position. Uh, could could really be a, a kind of a force, to be honest. It is, it is really just a very different kind of wide receiver than some of the other guys on this team. So here's the thing for me. When we kind of found out that Wilson was running away with that wide receiver four job, it's actually not surprising to me that Noah Brown would win that number five job. It's just one of those things, once we got the information of who is wide receiver four, I think it makes way more sense, right? So... Devin Smith is a guy that we like a little bit, but he's very limited as to what he can do as a receiver, right? His game is making plays down the field. Now, he's older. He's dealt with a lot of injuries through his career. I just think when you're wide receiver five, you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And you really got to be able to contribute as a blocker. And we know that's what Noah Brown does as well. You need to be able to come in, play multiple positions, be somebody who can help out on special teams if needed, come in and be able to play a lot of positions. We know Noah Brown could do some tight end stuff if he needs to. I just think that makes a lot more sense. And then there's the other part here that you know Noah Brown just turned 24 years old. He's still really young. He's actually played in more games than what Devin Smith has. That part of it isn't that surprising to me at all. 
He also has a little bit more size and you can use him, you know, on slants and that kind of stuff if you need him to play. Uh, it's it's not all that surprising. I do think the Cowboys will probably want to put John Bea Johnson on the specialty, or excuse me, on the practice squad. I think they could probably sneak him on there. Uh, there's just every team has three or four receivers they like at the bottom of the roster. Sure. Sneak him on there, maybe put Aaron Parker on there, and there you go. There's seven receivers and you're good to go. Um, I am excited to see what Noah Brown will look like in this offense. I think I think he does he does some things that nobody does in the top four of the receivers. I think he's the best blocking receiver on the roster. I think he's got the most size of any receiver on the roster. So there is a lot to be excited about. Um, all right, let's get to some of your questions. Uh, the first one comes from Tony Thompson. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it was from this morning, Landon. Uh, Terry McCoy, the uh, former NFL ref, was complaining that there's no referees <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. So he he wants to know which referee belongs in the Hall of Fame, Landon. <laughs> no referees belong in the Hall of Fame. I, I just because like, it's not about them. It's That's not the about it's the them. Game, not about them. You know, and and I'm just like I, 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 and someone pointed out that there's ref that there's you know ump- umpires in the in the Baseball Hall of Fame and that there's I guess apparently referees in the NBA. I don't care. Good for them. Like, yeah, good I, for them. I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like I, like it's I'm just what <laughs> go do your own thing, guys. Go find your own thing. Like this is. Make your own Hall of Fame if you need. Yeah, to. like I, I'm sorry, but this is uh, no. I, I really, don't, I really don't have anything else to say. You're, you're not part of this, guys. Like you're, you're the referees, and, and you're part of the, the organization. But, yeah. but Hall of Fame, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, we don't, we don't pay good money and attend games and watch games on TVs for the referees. We pay, we watch it for the players and the coaches. So. Come on, guys. And Just the other part about this too is honestly the best. The best, like, uh, if I could come up with a pre, if I had to, if you made me come up with prerequisites for what it would take to be a Hall of Fame referee, is that I don't know who the hell you are. Like, yeah, that's exactly it's what so, it is. <laughs> it's so transparent, and, and 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 you've done such a good job of of not you know asserting yourself into the game that I don't know who you are. Like you know, so like if you you know if you feel the need to get huge muscles to show off on TV, I'm probably not voting for you to get into the Hall of Fame as a referee. Like this, uh, it's just frankly game. just dumb. Like what a, so, what a what a dumb thing to complain about. I did some, see some people making uh, some suggestions that like the head of the umpiring sh- or uh, officiating crew should get in. So that means like. Uh, Dean Blandino and yeah. Oliver Ron should yeah. get some. Just the exact guys who should not be getting in, like right, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was the best point you've ever made on this Locked On Cowboys podcast. Is no referee should ever be in the Hall of Fame. I did strong, strong take. Um, let's pause so I can tell you guys about DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app and select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Okay, Landon, I want to talk about this uh, question, and I, I lost for where, who it was from, but um, they wanted to know about how can the Cowboys improve their goal line situations this year? How can they be a better goal line team? 
Um, you know, do we expect them to to be more creative in the red zone? Do we expect them to target maybe CD Lamb more this year or just more than they have before? Uh, what are you expecting for the Cowboys in the red zone this year? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think this is the area where, to me, we're really going to get the uh, – this will be the true test for me as to how much the, the play calling has changed, right? Because I think, honestly, play calling has been a huge problem in the red zone. Um, I, I just whether it's sequencing, whether it's targeting the right people, whether it's just not having the right plays in the red zone – um, I, I think that the the big the biggest difference that needs to be made here, almost more than you know any other kind of subsection of the game, is 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 the play calling in the red zone. Because I think they have. I mean, obviously they have the horses for this. They've they got have the so talent. many different options. Yeah, and they've got the one of the best, one of the toughest running backs in, in in NFL who basically never takes a loss on a run. You've got you know a big tight end who can who can move and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Now you've got C.D. Lamb who is uh, more so than than Gallup and Cooper probably is a very big red zone threat with his athleticism. Though I think Gallup is. Skills, yep. I, I also think that Gallup is underused in this area. I agree. Um, I just think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, play design and play. And, and then again, I, I also think that we are still completely underusing Dak as a as I a was weapon just about to say zone. that. Yes, because I think he's the best goal line runner in the league. Yeah. And, and I think that that has value, you know, is, is when you having Dak Prescott as your quarterback is yeah like like you mentioned it. He may be the best secret weapon goal lines red zone secret weapon in football right like I mean Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson's one thing because he's got speed and if he gets out and he can get open but if you just need a quarterback in a spread out offense to just you know get you four or five yards I'll take Dak Prescott over anybody not named Cam Newton and frankly Cam Newton might get hurt halfway through the play so I I think Dak is a little smarter of a runner at this stage in his career he just doesn't take as many big hits near the goal line I think if anything there's you know there it's not that there's not options it's that they've had problems choosing the correct options and then sequencing those options they need to do a better job of availing themselves of the talent that they have here because it, look, I've seen other offenses that have been very good at moving the football but not scoring, and they, it, you know, the 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 roster makeup was not what the Cowboys were. The Cowboys don't have a valid good excuse for not being able to put the ball in the end zone when they get into the red zone. Like they, they you know, it's penalties, it's bad execution, it's bad play calling. Those things have got to stop, and we have got to find a way to allow the talent on this offense to shine through because even when things are tighter this team is Mm -hmm. more talented they have the ability to separate to get open they have physical ability to push through there isn't there isn't any pathway whether it's by hook or by crook whether it's by pass or by run that they the cowboys shouldn't have success in trying to get into the end zone absolutely and and, and frankly it's the, quite the opposite they, they they couldn't find any particular way to consistently get in the end zone yeah so last year dallas uh was sixth in the league in scoring they averaged 27.1 points per game that's actually pretty incredible considering how mediocre the red zone offense was last year. They finished 16th in 
Uh, red, zone, red zone scoring percentage uh, with just 57% of the time they converted red zone trips into touchdowns. Uh, they also missed a league high uh, amount of field goals inside 40 yards. So they basically just gave away a ton of points last year. Um, and I'll go back to this. I think starting really in 2013, the Cowboys red zone offense was basically one of two plays, right? In 2013, 2014, it was almost all based off back shoulder throws and fades to Dez, right? That was their go-to play in the, in the red zone was having Tony throw a, a pass to Dez. If teams could stop that, they could stop the entire Cowboys red zone offense. Over the last couple of years, it's been the read option with Dak and Zeke. If you could take that away, you could take the Cowboys entire red zone offense away. I think Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore this year are going to be more diverse in what they're running in the red zone. And you brought up the guys in Gallup, Lamb, Jarwin that I think are going to be big time receivers in the red zone. And then I just think the Cowboys are going to do other things in the red zone to try to, to be more effective, you know, potentially running the ball, maybe less tight ends on the field, maybe not so many bunch formation where there's, you know, nine guys right at the line of scrimmage. I do think if you look at like Mike McCarthy's history with the Green Bay Packers, that was a team that was very good in the red zone. I think the Cowboys will be better there as well. I think if they can get inside the top, I don't know, 10, eight, I think that's realistic. And if they can do that, I don't think 30 points per game is all that far out of the equation. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely not. Like, and frankly, they should have been scoring 30 points a game last year because of all their their uh, miscues in the red zone. And, and and Frank, you know, that's the thing about it. And you, you kind of nailed that progression of how things went. The problem was is that, you know, once they started figuring out the zone read stuff, like – They didn't have a counter to it. You take the next step. But but that's the thing. There are literally hundreds of counters. There are whole coaches that that literally all they do is run the zone read and then create counters off the zone read. So it's not like the information isn't out there, you know? And it's not like there isn't a way to make – translate those counters into the NFL. They just didn't, you know? And so, like, you know, run an RPO that has multiple options – you know, run up. Run well, it, I just run. think that I think that comes from Jason Garrett, right? I think he was fairly conservative in the red zone because he did. He never wanted to give away the potential of three points, right? So uber safe in the red zone, not going to take many t- chances throwing the ball in the tight windows. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, 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 I certainly, I certainly, certainly agree that I think that a conservative approach is par- partially what killed this. But I also think that you know, they just I, I, I and maybe this is what we're we're talking about the same thing. Maybe it was, it was that they just gave up on it when they didn't want to extend themselves any further. It's just like, okay, That's this has run its course. Let's go back to something else. Instead of adding an extra third you know, element to this, which could have really made it diff- very difficult for anyone to deal with. Yeah, I think if you want to get a good idea of the best teams in the league, take a look at how they perform in the red zone on offense and defense. Um, of the top, I think, yeah, of the top 11 teams in red zone efficiency last year, uh, nine of them made the playoffs and on defense in the, in the top 10 of efficiency, eight of them made the playoffs. So the NFL really boils down to how well do you perform inside the 20 yard line? If the Cowboys can get better in that area, again, approach that top 10 level, uh, they're going to be just fine. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.